We are in, what, uh, week three of the election crisis. And it is fascinating to me, Ari, how... It's become a crisis already? I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> okay. I, I don't want to call this a crisis. All right. Let, let, let me go through my little... <laughs> let me go through the, the effort. Uh, look, it's, it's clear that there are dividing lines or attempted divided lines. But, you know, the Democrats, like uh, so many of my very lefty friends, uh, even some of my relatives, they, you, you present them all the highly questionable issues that are happening right now, such as the Dominion software. We know that there is just a tremendous amount of monkey business, and, and we actually have detail about that, such as the uh, um, re-submitting uh, of votes over and over again, such as the, uh, you know, keeping monitors away. I mean, there's just too many examples. Fractions. The fractions, yeah. And then the, just the anomalies in American history that all happen in this election, not not just one thing, but huge amounts of other anomalies, such as the fact that it's the first time in American history, or at least like 150, 160 years, where an incumbent candidate loses, I put that in air quotes, loses the re-election with more votes than he had when he first won. It's not possible. Yeah, and a, a first-term incumbent who didn't absolutely wreck the economy like a Herbert Hoover or Jimmy Carter right. or, you know, that kind of right, person. Right. So, yeah, and, and then there is the 19 bell... I mean, Dennis Prager talks about this. Nine, there's 19 bellwether counties that uh, always, you know, correctly predict... The election. So wherever they vote for, that's who the president's going to be. 18 out of the 19 voted for Trump, okay, but by a lot, and yet he still lost. Yeah. And so on and, and so on. And Ohio and Florida. One more, one more I want to bring up is this is a real good one for those poor lifty friends who can't get this through their heads. For some reason, Joe Biden had no spike of popularity, meaning extra votes of popularity, in any liberal city except for. Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, Detroit, Atlanta, Atlanta and Phoenix. I mean, yeah. but 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 so he had a disproportionate jump in popularity there, but no such corresponding jump in popularity in New York, San Francisco, Chicago, or Los Angeles. Yeah. So, yeah, mm. very interesting. You know, I, I mean, all these anomalies are just too much. So you bring it up to your lefty friends, and they just don't want to talk about it. They say, you know, isn't it interesting, the choices that Biden is making for his cabinet? I think it's going to be fantastic. But John Kerry is really a, a stabilizing force. Okay, so I just want to get past this one point, which is that it's not as if they're saying, oh, you know, there are innocent explanations for everything that appears to be happening. Uh, these anomalies that we're talking about, the Dominion software, nobody... The, the thing is that none of the Democrats are... Uh, defending Dominion. They're not uh, explaining these anomalies. Uh, they simply say, you know, they, they just, they, they ignore it. And, yeah. and they say, we don't want to talk about it. Um, and isn't this wonderful? And it's uh, the rejection of Trumpism. And, and we finally got this or bad orange man out of the White House. And we're going to change things back to the way they should be with Obama and everything. Okay. It's, it's really fascinating to me that that's, that's the kind of dichotomy that's going on. And that's why among other things, we're going to have a very interesting podcast today, why I am convinced with as close to 100% certainty that Trump will be reelected. And let me explain why. Uh, that is a factor. Just kind of keep that in your back pocket for the time being, and we'll discuss why. Let me first explain a little bit about myself. I have an unusual history. I was born in Israel. 
Uh, Hebrew was my first language. You don't know that. Did you know that, Ari? I know that. Okay. A lot of people don't necessarily think that that would be the case, but that was my first language. I, I learned it, that, you know, Abba, Ima, all that, I'll say, you know, Tagid, Tada, all that stuff. Okay. And then we come to America. Eventually, Canada first, then to, to America. But in the process, I'm three and a half years old. And around, just before I turned four or so, my parents tell me not to speak Hebrew anymore. I'm going to be speaking this new language called English. But I didn't know. It, it, was, the, it was the worst time, and it's not their fault. It's the worst time for them to have switched a language on a child. It just happens to be that one moment in your uh, very young childhood, which could not be a worse time to change languages. And that's why you're a vegan today. <laughs> that's why I'm a crazy conservative, yes. Okay, so the, and, and let me explain why. So my brother, who's a year and a half older, he had learned Hebrew too. That was his first language. And he converted to English, right? But he knew he was changing languages. And my sister, who's a year and a half younger than me, she didn't learn Hebrew at all. She went straight to, to English. So that was her first language. Yeah, but okay? you used to be converted to a completely different language, not only language, but language format, right. which uses a different alphabet altogether that doesn't even look like the same alphabet. Right. Well, right. It, it, that was before reading anyway. But let me, let, me, let me get to the point. The point is that I learned... I was forced to learn a new language before I knew what a language was. Yeah, I have to understand, most kids, when they're, when they're starting off a language, they think that everyone speaks that language. The idea that people have different words for everything is, is weird to them. They, they would not think that. It's not intuitive to them. Language is language. This is the way you communicate. If this is a kise, which means chair in Hebrew, then that's a kise. Every, every time you look at what's a chair, that, that's really a kise. And a, and a shulchan is a table. That's, that's the way it works. And all of a sudden, they're telling me that this is a chair, not a kise. This is a table, not a shulchan, right? Uh, um, and I freaked out. I, I thought everyone was lying to me. How could this be? Just yesterday, you said this was a kise. Now you're telling me it's a chair. What, what happened here? And I, I was... I remember it, it, it totally undermined my sense of security. It was bad. And I, I shut down. Yeah, we call that a character-building moment. <laughs> okay, so I shut down. And I did not speak uh, a serious language, a little mix of Hebrew, a little bit of English. I did not speak in, fluently in English until I was nine years old. Okay. So I, sp I was able to communicate, don't get me wrong, but I, I was very reserved in my words because I was afraid that I would say this word and no one would understand and it. And that, word, and, and that word and no one would understand it. Hang on, Ari. I, I, I just, just understand how difficult that was. But, but, and this is why I'm bringing this up now. How did I communicate, right? How did I learn what was the process that was going on in my head? I remember vividly noticing people and their facial expressions. That's what I noticed. I noticed their, 
demeanor and their mannerisms, uh, if they were hunched over, I was, I was able to pick up personalities about people that young kids normally would never pick up. I could, I could look at somebody and say, that, that man is nervous. That man is worried. That man is a happy person. That man, uh, you know, is, is always sad. And when they were conversing with me, I would pick up on their feelings, their emotional makeup, much more so than their words, because I didn't know, I couldn't trust their words. I didn't know what their words meant. But their feelings, yeah, I, I could pick that up. And I started learning a lot in terms of mannerisms. And I picked up clues that really helped me for the rest of my life. So, and that's where I'm going with this. I remember turning to my wife, just for, I'm going to give you two examples. During the oil, the food for oil program, remember that? That scandal, the huge scandal. The UN was discussing the issue of whether or not W uh, and America should, you know, he's trying to get authorization to go to Iraq. Remember that? And there you have, what's his name? Um, Powell, um, who was the secretary of state at the time. Yeah, not Sidney, Colin. Colin Powell, yeah. Arguing why, you know, all the bad things that Iraq had done and, and he was supporting Bush's maneuvers there. And I remember the spokes, the UN uh, ambassador for Germany and for Russia and for France, they responded with such vigor, such hatred for America and how outrageous this idea was. And I remember turning to, to my wife and I said, Stacy, I something's going on here. These men are reacting so crazily. It's not just that they oppose it, but they have this. There's something going on behind the scenes that, that there something is going on. Iraq has some sort of arrangement with yeah, these countries. Getting money here. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I didn't know if it was money or power or some sort of deal. Something's going on. Sure enough, I think a year later the oil for uh, food scandal broke out. It was the biggest scam at, to date of, uh, of, of a UN scandal. It was un, unprecedented and everyone was in on it, right? Making deals with Iraq and making a lot of money. Russia in particular, Germany in particular. France. I mean, they still haven't atoned for it. Of course not. But, okay, so that's, but I picked up on that and she said, how did you know that? And I said, I could just, I could sense it from the way these people were talking. And my muscle in that department, picking up on clues from people, really helps in law, by the way, really helps a lot. Especially when you're taking a deposition, you can see somebody like hedging his answer and you pounce on it. And you, you, you realize that he's not comfortable with it. And you, you drill down even more on that. So that's important. Then the second story I want to tell you about is the Duke Lacrosse case, the rape case, or at least the allegations, right? The rape that never happened. And you'll recall, Ari, that the world thought that this is a classic story of white privileged males, right, raping these two young black girls. One. Wasn't it just one exotic dancer? There was two. Oh, there was it two. It was two, yeah. Okay, two. It was, it was really something. Two exotic yeah. dancers. So, uh, fascinating stuff, right? Two people in Kamala Harris's line of work. Oh, tough crowd, tough yeah, crowd. Exactly. All right, so, so uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, suffering the indignities of the uh, colonial oppressor. Yes, okay, so here we go. The point is that everyone thought that these boys had done this horrific thing, and isn't this an example of how terrible our country is? You know, and not only was it 
um, white versus black. It was also rich versus poor, college versus uneducated. You know, it's, it's, it, it represented so many things. And this prosecutor, Nifong, um, you know, he seemed to be uh, on the up and up and he was going to take this to task. And, oh, by the way, a lot of the boys were conservative. So they, there you go. So it was also conservative versus Democrat. It was, it was the perfect they storm. Had it all. The perfect right? storm for a disaster in the making and everything else. Okay. And they were going to take these boys to task and finally show the monsters that conservatives were. And then one of the boys... Because I don't know if you know this, I, I did a lot of research for this for my new book, Atheism Destroys. It, it relates a little bit, and they picked the wrong three boys, particularly one boy. I forget his name, Selgman, I think, I think it was. And this boy, I shouldn't call him boy, young man, because he was twenty at the time. He um, he was a Christian and conservative, and he knew he didn't do it. And he, against the advice of his lawyers, held a press conference. And it was carried live. And he went up to the podium and he said, I want to make clear that there's nothing to this story. This is an outrage. I am looking forward to seeing this story unravel and justice being sown, uh, being heaped upon the prosecutor who knows that there's nothing in this story. I can't wait. This will be the, his undoing. I turned to my wife at that point as well. <laughs> this is back in 2006, I believe. And I said, these boys didn't do it. It didn't happen. And she said, how can you feel so confident about that? I said, you'll see. And I said, because if this, if this man, this young man, had in fact done it, he would never make that speech. He would make a different speech. What speech would it be? It would be something like, uh, I just want to say that this is not true. And uh, remember, in this country, you're innocent until proven guilty. And uh, I, I don't, I mean, first of all, he would never have the conference at all. But, but even if he did, he would say, you're innocent until proven guilty. And um, I, I just, this is just not right, uh, the way the process is done. And he would have a worried look in his eyes. Okay? That's what would happen. But no. No, no, no. A very different animal in this young man. Sure enough, two months later, there was evidence that there was, the evidence revealed that there was no DNA evidence whatsoever on the crime scene. And I turned to my wife and I said, that, well, that's the end of the case. We're done. You can't possibly move forward with that. DNA is great stuff. But DNA back then was still a young science, but it was reliable. And uh, they continued on with the, the, the case. Well, you know how it ended. In the end, everyone turned around. Naifong was not only excused from the case, not, and not only was the new prosecutor in a position where he, did, where he sought and, and obtained not just a dismissal of the case, but a finding that the boys were innocent, not just not guilty, but that they were innocent of this alleged crime. And that, that, and furthermore, that Naifong was disbarred. And Pers prosecuted. And prosecuted, yeah. And he had to file for bankruptcy because of the uh, huge uh, damages lawsuit against him later on. It was a perfect turnabout. Not only that, but the boys, epilogue, you know, like when you see those movies, they, 
they were able to, uh, although they had canceled the lacrosse season because of this horrific crime that was alleged against them, um, that they, they registered for, a yet, for that year and they were able to finish it up for one last year and they won in overtime against, I think, North Carolina. It was a great result. Everything was a beautiful end to that story, but horrific what they had to go through. I bring this up because I have this ability to see little things and obtain a lot of information from it. One of the cases that I had a long time ago was yeah, I, saw, I, I, could, I could smell the breath of my opposing counsel at one point, and he was one of these cocky mother effers but I smelled his breath when he was talking, trying to make a deal with me at one point in the courthouse. And he was very aggressive. But his breath was a certain spicy bad breath. There's different kinds of bad breath. And I noticed that that particular bad breath, and I'm, I'm, not, meaning, I'm not saying this to, to insult him. It just it was bad breath. It was a fact. But it's that certain tangy, spicy bad breath that is always associated with very nervous and frightened people. Okay, people give clues that way. And I remembered it from a bunch of other connections I made as a little boy. And I said, this man is very frightened. He, he thinks something is going down. And he thinks that some information will come out and he's worried about it. And I was right. And I went hard on him. And I refused to make the deal that he suggested. And next thing you know, he said, okay, whatever you want. So we got everything we wanted, including our attorney's fees in that case, because he was really worried about something that came out. And I interviewed him later on, and he basically told me that he was worried about a certain particular thing. I was right. But I have this muscle inside me that is able to kind of see things, even on TV, and, and piece it together very quickly. So... That moves us now to the election. All right, so here we go. So first of all, I want to talk about the confidence of Sidney Powell. She was amazing. This woman, I, she said she's 100% certain about this. You don't say that unless you are very confident about your case. I, in fact, I don't know of any lawyer who has ever said that they have 100% confidence in their case. No prosecutor, no civil litigator, nothing like that has ever, I've never seen that level of confidence. Same thing with Lyndon Wood, by the way. He, sp he spoke exactly the same way. And these are not just, you know, fly-by-night lawyers that want to get a little bit of, a, a bit of attention who say these, you know, amazingly, uh, you know, highfalutin things for the sake of getting attention. No, they, no they're okay. Th their reputations are on the line. They've got to be right. Because, first of all, they've said it. Secondly, it's on YouTube and every video you can possibly imagine. So they better be right. So they've seen a tremendous amount of evidence that you and I, Ari, have not seen. Just not. Likewise with Linwood, right? So everything is the same in, in, in Linwood department. I, I take that to the bank. Those are one of those, one of the elements that I just talked about where I could, see, I, could, I could see the confidence with which somebody speaks and it means something to me. Now, if they didn't feel that way, if they didn't see the evidence that I think that they've seen, they would say something very different, wouldn't they? I mean, remember what I talked to you about uh, that boy um, uh, in, in the Duke lacrosse case, 
right, how confident he was. And if he were in fact guilty, and if let's say he was drunk at the time and he thought it was consensual and everything else, he, you would say, you would hear him say, well, you're innocent until you're proven guilty, right? We talked about that. Well, what would happen if instead there's only very limited evidence of potential fraud? You would, you would expect Sidney Powell to say something like, you know what? Uh, we've seen some very disturbing pieces of evidence, and we think that we should be able to explore it because we think that it will open up the doors wide open uh, and we'll see probably a much greater fraud in operation. But, uh, you know, we, we don't think the election is, is over and we want our chance and we want our day in court. That's what you would expect from any lawyer that saw only a little bit of evidence, whether that's Sidney Powell or Lynn Wood. Or Rudy Giuliani. They all spoke with incredible confidence, including uh, Jenna. What's her name? Uh, Jenna Ellis. Jenna Ellis. Okay. So, and she's she's amazing too. They, they all have equal confidence in this matter. You can take that to the bank, so to speak. All right. The second aspect, and why would they do this, right? I mean, they, it, there's no percentage for them to say it with the confidence that they're saying it. Okay. They're not trying to sway the population one way or the other. They just simply said, "Nope, it's going to happen." In the same way that a prosecutor, if he has a video of some guy saying, I hate John Smith, and I'm going to kill John Smith. And here is John Smith, in fact, right here. You see how I have bound and gagged him? I'm going to kill him right now. And here's the gun I'm going to do it with. It's a 45 caliber, it's Smith & Wesson, whatever. And uh, I'm going to go up to his temple right now, blow his brains out. Goes, proceeds to go up to him, blows his brains out. Guy collapses to the ground, and he says, uh, this is David Johnson, and uh, you have seen me murder uh, John Smith, and everyone have a nice day. And he uploads it to YouTube, okay? Prosecutor gets it. What do you think the prosecutor's gonna say? Well, I think we got the guy on this one. <laughs> That's right. How confident are you, uh, uh, DA, uh, DA, whatever, uh, Williams, uh, how confident are you uh, that you'll get a conviction? I'm, in this case, I'd say I'm very certain. But but notice the wording is even different because juries can, you That's know, true. go sideways on you. <laughs> Wood and Powell are going, oh, we won this thing. Right. Okay. Exactly right. Yeah. And, and by landslide. Thank you very yeah. much. Okay. That's no, a good I mean, point. I'm talking about their part, the case, not just the landslide, but the demolition of the, the machinery. Exactly right. You know? Exactly right. Okay. So that's the confidence. You, you can take that with great meaning. Okay. I'm telling you, having picked up on a lot of clues in my life, and I use it all the time in court, like I said, I'm able to figure things out just by their nervousness, just by their hesitation. No, this kind of confidence also sends a signal to me. They would not speak like this if they did not see incredibly dramatic evidence. Okay, yeah, next. And, and one quick side note is, those of you who live in places like where Barack and I live, the, the, the um, plywood all over businesses' windows that's still up is a pretty strong indication that someone isn't yet confident that Biden won. Right, okay, Just yeah, yeah. They, they, are, they don't have the confidence that we have. That's the interesting thing. He supposedly won, he's been declared by, uh, president-elect by all the major cable news network, including Fox, uh, and yet they don't have the same level of confidence that we have. Interesting, that's a good point, Ari. Okay, number two, uh, when you do address all these crazy uh, elements that have happened, they, uh, they don't respond to you. They don't give you the innocent explanations for them. 
They don't say, well, you know, here's why Dominion is actually a very uh, legitimate uh, system and it's very accurate. It's been rated five stars, don't you know, by accuracy department uh, statistics. I don't know. But they don't do that. And you tell them about all the anomalies that we talked about before, how the cities were somehow, uh, you know, the, the spikes that we saw in only the battleground cities uh, and not the other non-battleground states, uh, they don't have an explanation for that. They don't have an explanation for anything. Yeah, and when you say spikes, you mean the spike in voting popularity for Joe Biden that exceeds Barack Obama right. 2008 cultural phenomenon turnout. Right. But it didn't happen in New York, Los Angeles, Chicago. Yeah. It only for some reason happened in the big cities of those battleground states, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Atlanta, etc. Right. Uh, why is he popular there and not here? Right. If he's if 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 the basement dwelling Biden is the cultural phenom that Obama was in 2008. <laughs> yes. I'm just wondering. Right. You know, instead they, they, they point to, they tell you you're a conspiracy theorist, you're a wild-eyed lunatic, you're reading Breitbart again. Yeah, that's well, exactly what I said. That's exactly what I was going to say, and thank you for bringing that up. That's all they say. That's their go-to answer, and it's not a good answer. It yeah, just they, it just ain't. And, and uh, it's not a good answer. They don't explain how suddenly there was a complete stop in the counting at approximately 9 o'clock uh, in the evening on November 3rd. Uh, it, the first time in American history that even one state has stopped counting, and then suddenly they stop it all for all five states. At weird. the same time. At the same time. Ooh, uh, yeah. weird. Uh, yeah, and it's supposedly it's supposed to be county by county, but uh, so the entire, it's weird. Yeah, okay, they do not have an explanation. Right. So, so, and then there's other, they, they don't give any explanations uh, for like the waiting system. Like I said before, they don't give it explanations about the monitoring uh, problem in Pennsylvania in particular. They don't explain how there could be all these overvotes, you know, way beyond on the registrations of any given county. They don't explain how the 18 out of the 19 bellwether counties in these battleground states, uh, which always predict the president, always, for the first time in history, in history, get it wrong. Okay? It's, it's, and then, of course, Ohio and Florida, both uh, going to Trump by a massive amount of, uh, of votes. And that's the, also the first time in history. There's too many first times in history yeah, how did Trump carry the very close battleground states of Florida and Ohio by gigantic margins, and it didn't correlate to to Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan? That's right. The, okay. Is the people of Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan are very similar to the people of Ohio culturally? <laughs> Isn't this curious? Yeah. So the the point is not to drill down on these particular issues, but how they don't address the issues. They don't give these reasonable explanations. They just want to move along here. Listen, my son won the uh, the swimming trophy, and he uh, he won it. Thank you very much. Uh, all these accusations of uh, cheating, silly. Uh, let, let's go on to the the state finals, and uh, you know, and, and and onward and upward from there. Can I add one thing to that hypothetical analogy that I think it makes it even more delicious? My son beat Michael Phelps fair and square. <laughs> yeah, that's a good Because example. that's what Biden was swimming against, the Michael Phelps of politics. Oh, that's right. Well, it's funny. I said in my show on Sunday, and my son is a swimmer, and he's, he's a good competitive sw swimmer. You know, he's, he's really good. Uh, but if he were somehow to win a trophy after cheating, and then he comes up to me and says, Dad, guess what? 
I, I gave uh, my, my main competitor some sort of a uh, uh, thing fentanyl. that he ate. Fentanyl. Yeah, fentanyl. <laughs> fentanyl. Okay, whatever. Uh, or diarrhea pills or whatever it is. And, and that, of course, slowed him down. And he ended up having, you know, to, he, he lost like five seconds easily. Right. And isn't that cool, Dad? And I would turn to him and, and I would say, you give that trophy back. And you say how ashamed you are that you did this. I feel embarrassed. I'm publicly giving this trophy to John Smith, my competitor. Okay, that's what you would do, right? You and I would do that as fathers. Uh, but no, that's very different here because this is important. This is too important. And we've got to give Joe Biden the presidency. All right, so which leads us to the next point. Um, there's no Democrat willing to say, let's look at what's what. Okay, you just, that's, we need that. And we have nobody on the Democratic Party ticket saying, you know what? Uh, let them, let's let the chips fall where they may. And, and if the Republicans are right and they won by a landslide, I, you know. That right. we, we, Where's their confidence in the process? Yeah. They have none. It, uh, it, uh, I think you're going to address this later. But instead, it's a series, a litany of threats. Yes. Against anyone who disagrees with them. It's the calling us conspiracy theorists. It's the calling out our news sources. It's pretending that the, the counts vote stop, which I think is very key for one other reason, which everyone saw on live TV, which were on mainstream media sources. Right. CNN, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC. Everyone saw it live, right. and the pretending didn't happen. And then, so it's just an impugnment of facts, followed by the threats of violence for anyone who goes, hmm, this doesn't look right. How dare you raise this? We'll kill you. Right. You know. Well, not only that, but instead, the response, in addition to saying that you're a conspiracist, uh, conspiratorial or whatever, maniac, they say this is a threat to democracy. Right. Like, how so? Uh, please explain. You know, you, you, the fact that I'm bringing up my legal challenges, which I'm, I'm entitled to do as, as Trump and otherwise, that is a threat to democracy? Yeah, as Hillary Clinton did in 2016. Maddow went so far to say, as John Nolte wrote the other day, she suggested that anyone challenging or questioning election results should be imprisoned for threatening <laughs> democracy. Right. Well, that means, Maddow, you're not talking about a system that is democracy. Well, it's, it's absurd. They, they only remember today. And, and like we said in one of our previous podcasts, they only remember what happened five minutes ago and not much more. And uh, and they all see into the future about five minutes ahead as well. Okay, yeah, so that's Adam Schiff and, and Clinton and all uh, yeah, yeah. for four years. I mean, you know, I, see, ma I see massive evidence. Okay, yeah, exactly. They're not interested in saying let's look at what's what. That, that's the key thing that we're talking about. That they 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 just want to move along here. Nothing to see here because they want to beguile you into thinking that the process is underway and this is a, uh, uh, you know, run, not a runaway train, but there's nothing to see here. Okay. Right. We can't question the process. The media declared Biden as president and he's already said he wants John Kerry working for him. We can't go back now. Right. <laughs> right That's right. essentially what we're hearing. Well, it's what, what I called before. They're, they're trying to create a fact on the ground. Yes. So that, that we're behind. Uh, we're the ones who have to turn it around. This, this moving ship that's so difficult to do. Uh, and wow, it, it's a threat to democracy, like we just said. Okay, the next point is that they don't talk about the non-fraud. Okay, so this is uh, related to the issue of, you know, allowing people to have their day in court. But they need to be able to say that there was no fraud here. And merely saying, oh, there's a bunch of people who said that, that this was a clean election doesn't make it a non-fraud. They, they need to deal with the actual accusations, 
meaning the Dominion software, for example, the overvoting and such. No one is dealing with that. Right. The, the, All they point to is the is what I love to call the experts say. Yes, oh, right? that's true. Experts have said. Well, that. what they do is they go to people who did vote for Biden and and they say, "Did you vote for Biden?" Yes, I did. Okay, okay. clean election. Okay, no. I, I, I don't know where to begin with that. I mean, even someone who embezzles from a company, right, he, he may, let's say a CPA, okay, he may very well, in fact, probably does spend money for company business. It's just that he doesn't spend all of it on company business, uh, on himself, but he steals a, a huge amount. And he's, a, he's still an embezzler. The fact that he spent money on actual company business doesn't make him any less of an embezzler, right? The same thing is happening here. They just don't want to deal with the fraud. They do not deal with the fraud, or at least the accusations of fraud, such as the overvoting, such as the fact that the states all stopped counting, such as the spikes in voting, all the things that we've already been mentioning. That they don't do. And that is a telltale sign of a big problem here. The next thing, Biden saying relatively little during this election. We, we kind of broached upon, uh, upon this a little bit, Ari, where we talked about how confident we are that this this uh, election will be will be flipped, whereas the Democrats seem to be not as confident yeah, in, it's in this staying. Weird combination they, they act of, the part, but they don't actually think right, the part. It's this weird combination of sort of hiding to let the storm pass and then pop his little head out of the prairie dog hole later and go, oh, I'm president, right? With this weird unearned bravado with media events, yeah. right? It's like a, a very strange contrast. The media events, as he said a minute ago, is to create the facts on the ground, you know, make it a, a, a by proxy thing so, you know, it can't be reversed. But they're not acting like it's official in any way. Right. You know, right. they it, it, it's a very strange set of behaviors. Go back to four years ago that after Trump won, and, and Clinton, the next day in that vampire uniform, cleared off the uh, the cake and the a uh, box wine off of her outfit and went out and conceded. After that, Trump actually acted like a president, even though there were still legal challenges coming through. If you remember from the Jill Stein campaign yes, yes. and the Clinton campaign in different states, but the whole time Trump became not only a fact on the ground but a fact. Period. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly right. He doesn't. He's not acting presidential. He's going through the motions because he's told to go through the motions. He's talking about the policies he wants to enact, and here are the people that I plan to put and appoint into my cabinet. Um, but these, it's as if people are just pretending. It's, it's a very interesting animal. Now that's that's a matter of opinion on my part. I have to admit that. But to make a good metaphor out of this, it's like somebody steals my car. And they're driving around, and they're driving within the speed limit, and they're stopping at stop signs and everything else. And I'm, you know, I've got the police, and uh, I said that that guy's in my car. That guy's in the car. Well, you know, but he is assumed to be doing the correct thing. That it's assumed that it's his car, and he's driving his car until I prove otherwise. But he still stole my car. Yeah, but right. So I have to oh, wait. Wait. I have to show that. Here's my registration. Here's the license plate. That's me. Here's my license, driver's license as well. Here's my insurance. It says my name. Whoever's in that car, that ain't me. Stop that guy. Okay? And now I've proven my case. Now the police have to stop him. Now they, they arrest him. And now I've proven my case, so to speak. I'm entitled to get my car back. All right. That's what has happened in this election. They've hijacked this election. They've commandeered this car, so to speak. 
and they expect everyone to think that they are the driver of the car. That, that they own the car. This is theirs. Yeah, but that, but I think your final piece of this analogy is, but they're not driving the car as if it's theirs. They're not. They're not going to In and Out Burger and eating in the car. Yeah, they're, they're not smoking a cigarette. In yeah, the car. they're not driving it with impunity. Right, they're is not, what you're saying. They're not cutting a uh, piece of flatulence on the leather. <laughs> That's piece, right. You know, as if yeah. it's theirs. Right. And yeah, they're, 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 now, they're still driving meekly yeah. and humbly and, and looking around to make sure there are no cops. Right now, to be fair to them, because we're conservatives and we actually look at the other side, it was never intended to be Biden's car anyway. So part and parcel of that is the senility, the the way he's just a hapless kleptocracy vessel for them to pour whatever policy du jour into. So he would, even if he had won this whole thing, he was going to drive the car that way anyway, like an old man. But yeah. so it adds some, if you will, some colorish colorific color cover to it but it still doesn't look right yeah yeah you know? he's he's acting like an imposter yeah right the imposter president that's what it yeah. is okay so <laughs> or it's funny you said that because i've been tweeting and saying out to people i've been calling it if you know the comic world if you ever go to comic-con there are people there who engage in cosplay meaning they put on a costume guess what <clears throat> You're not really a stormtrooper. You're just pretending to be, <laughs> or as right? I, as I said in my book, uh, An Atheism Kills, I forget the exact reference to it, but it's like, um, you know, one of the uh, members, the, the guy who dresses up like a policeman in the, um, village, the village people, people they, thinking that he's really a policeman yeah. <laughs> because he's wearing the outfit. Yeah, but it's costume play. That's what this whole presidency looks like. Play. It's costume play. Yeah. And it was great because Jenna Ellis, you know, one of the real Trump attorneys on the team, said... This is about as real as fantasy football is to an NFL game, which is the same analogy. It's fake. Yeah. You know, we can all tell. And it's a strong indication. They know they're going to have to give those keys back very soon. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the jig is up. At some point, the jig is going to be up. Come on, Charlie. You know this game could only last so long. You've had your fun. Give us the car. Anyway, so let the last point um, of the signals is Dominion is nowhere to be found. Okay? That, that is a big honking muscle ball to, to, to deal with, right? I mean, where is Dominion? Yeah, okay. like Stratton Oakmont from Wolf of Wall Street. All the paper is being shredded. All the documents are being burned. Oh, it's Everyone's hysterical. running. Everyone's jumping. Oh, it's, it's OJ in the Bronco. I mean, oh, like, right. he's going where? Oh, I wonder if he did it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are certainly acting like guilty parties. Yeah, and half their company, from what we... No, for sure, because the affidavits have been released, have already t- jumped ship and are, are on uh, Linwood and City Powell's side. Yeah. That's bad for them. Yeah, that's right. You see, all conspiracies do fall apart eventually. Look, it's going to be very hard for the United States Supreme Court to um, somehow bless this election for Joe Biden. It just doesn't make sense. If, it, if, it, if they did... I mean, if you cannot reverse the election and the fraud that we saw, this massive fraud that we saw in this election, then there's no hope for us. Yeah, well, it looks like with the Pennsylvania decertification, if you will, it looks like nothing has to be reversed because there is no election at this point. At this point. Only the media has said there is. The the official channels of Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Michigan look like they're all going to flip. Uh, Maybe even Arizona, too. uh, Arizona looks like Trump's actually going to win it outright. Okay. Because it's it's getting real. uh, There was a 4,000 vote, uh, I mean, sorry, an 8,000 vote switch from a computer error that changed the 
differential from 12,000 for Biden to now only 4,000. So he's within 4,000 votes pending all sorts of other things. So it looks like Trump's just going to win that one outright. Uh, but Pennsylvania, Michigan, and uh, Georgia all look like they're just, even though Michigan and Georgia have certified uh, a judge is probably going to order a reversal of those right. two. Well, no, there's a finalization process where you actually deliver the results, yeah. right? So in Pennsylvania, a court just recently granted a TRO to prohibit the finalization of the certification in Pennsylvania, only Pennsylvania, uh, and the hearing on that will be this Friday. That'll be very interesting. I'm, I'm very curious about that. I think good things will happen. Uh, there's a whole TRO, pro TRO process, but I'll just explain it this way. Uh, all you need to do is show that you have a reasonable probability of success on the merits. Reasonable. Um, and, or that you, stand, you state a good cause, a prima fa more than a prima facie case on it, and that the balance of hardships weighs in your favor, and of course in the Trump's favor in this case, that, that the whole country can, can vote for the wrong guy. That, that's the main issue. So let's see what happens there. Secondly, um, Sidney Pollack's, uh, Pollack, Sidney oh. Powell's um, complaint is due to be filed today. Uh, it's going to be huge. It'll be very, very telling. What a great Thanksgiving gift that will be. So, look, folks, I started off by saying how I can pick up on clues from people, the way that their mannerisms, their hesitations, their nervousness. There are so many clues up the wazoo that reveal to me that we should be very confident in Trump winning this presidency, getting reelected by the landslide that you and I know that he won by. Okay? I just, I, I feel it with great confidence. And I don't even have the same amount of information that Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, Rudy Giuliani, and Lynn Wood have. Okay, I don't. But I, I can read it. I can see it from all these things. I'm very excited about it because I know that justice will prevail. And I love this country. I know God is watching. And because of that, I'm confident that our man, Donald J. Trump, will be reelected president of these wonderful United States of America. God bless. Be safe. We'll talk with you next week.